0: The following message was preached at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at www.redeemernc.org. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke 9, 1-6. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and depart from there. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. This is the word of the Lord open your Bibles to that passage in Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 to 17. Sort uh, of two sections. That passage was read, and then the feeding of the 5,000. But I would encourage you to follow along in God's Word. That's really where only our authority comes from, and we always want to hear what it's got to say. And whilst you're turning that up, can I again just say thanks very much. It's a real privilege to be partnering with Redeemer Community Church. We've had a great time here. We've had great hospitality from the Squires and, and, and fun there, and yet also uh, other people were offering their homes too, so uh, thanks. And we enjoyed Josh uh, in Ireland back in May, and as I said earlier, folks really enjoyed listening to him, uh, which was great, uh, uh, and that is our way of saying he was really, really good at preaching because us Irish don't really express ourselves too Ah, encouragingly, we'd got, most of the he kept most people awake is really what we would say, and that means he was excellent. So, uh, yeah, we've continued to enjoy the hospitality, and we love being here on the Nelsons last Sunday. As I said, the sad for you all, but it's immense privilege to share from God's Word on their final Sunday, and we at Ballycullen Community Church will be continued to pray for them and you guys, and thank you for your prayers for us. Well, let me pray as we come to God's Word now. Father, thank you for uh, your Word, and again, we ask that you will speak to us now. We're dependent on your Spirit's. Open our eyes again afresh to see how wonderful you are and what it means to follow you. In Jesus, our Savior's name, we pray. Amen. What do we need to live whilst we're on this earth? I've asked that question and asked it to our kids, and the, the usual answers are food, water, air, shelter. So my kids said pizza. Uh, when I asked them that, but it does go under uh, food. But if you're asked the question, what do you need to be satisfied? It's a harder question. There's various answers that, that people give, and I looked up Google to see what the answer to that was that was expressed there, and folks said, well, focus on the positive. Focus on the positive, you'll be satisfied. Or take time for yourself. Love and accept yourself. Well, then there were other things like relationships. You need your sports team to do well. People had various, multiple answers to that. That's why, as I said earlier, Mick Jagger's song from the Rolling Stones, I think it's known here too, got released in 1965, before my time, not before some others. (laughs) Said, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try. I can't get no satisfaction. Written back in 1965, but still relevant today, isn't it? Well, what do we need to be satisfied? People have no idea. They search everywhere. What do we need to be satisfied? What do we need to live? What about for us as Christians? What do we need to live the Christian life? What do we need to be satisfied in the Christian life? What do we need for missions? What do Jesse and Heather and the family need as they go out to Montenegro? Well, I think this passage helps shed light on that in these two sections together. And we can learn a lot from it, because what happens? Well, the 12 have been sent out. You can see that in verse one. But can you see where how they were empowered? It says, and they called the 12 together And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. You see, Jesus was required. Jesus was the one that they needed. He gave them the power and authority to preach and and to do the miracles. Up to this point, it was really Jesus who was just doing all the miracles. He was raising the dead, he was curing diseases. He was having power over nature. Now he's actually passing this over to the disciples so they could do it. And yet now we have to be careful ourselves when we read this Bible that we don't then jump, well, we can do all the same ourselves. We have to see where we are in salvation history and remember that there's uniqueness in this account. I mean, you can see it's unique. Do you see what it says in verse 3 onwards when he said to him, take nothing for your journey. No staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, leave that town. Shake off the dust from your feet. It's a testimony against what So they're told to take nothing for their journey on this missions trip. No money, no extra clothes. Is that what missionaries should do today, the Redeemer community team, when they come to Ireland? I hope they have a shirts when they're playing basketball for a few hours, a spare one or two. When Jesse and Heather go to Montenegro, is that what they're supposed to do? Oh, of course not. But how do we know that? Well, this is unique here, because even at the end of Luke's gospel, in chapter 22, verse 36, they're actually told to go uh, preach again, but he actually there tells them to bring money and to bring a bag and other things. So this is unique. Why? Well, he's training them. This is boot camp. This is them in training for what lies ahead. We don't see this sort of model. This is unique for what they're going to be doing in Acts later. He's wanting them to learn. And they need to learn to trust and depend on God through what's happening, through bringing nothing. And well, what happens? Verse 6, well, they departed, they went through the villages, they preached the gospel, and there was healing everywhere. So they end up doing what Jesus commanded and ended up doing miracles. But it's obvious they needed Jesus to serve. Now, whilst there is some uniqueness here, there's, it's clear that there's some lessons that carry over that we see repeated in Luke's gospel and in other Gospels and elsewhere that we're still to go out. There's lessons still. We're still to proclaim Jesus. The details are now at the end of the Gospels, the the Great Commission where people are told and the disciples are told to go and make disciples and baptize them and to teach them everything God has commanded. An emphasis is in proclamation. And the emphasis also is to to go and descend. And In the Old Testament, there wasn't quite that emphasis. It was they were to be a light to the nations around them. They could come and see. But here's now go. This is what they're being trained to do, to be sent out. That's the emphasis now for churches now. By the way, it's great for us to be partnered with Redeemer Community Church and to know that this is a church that is interested in God's kingdom throughout the world, not just their own little kingdom, (laughs) on sending people and being willing to do that and great people and to needy areas like the Nelsons. And I know Redeemer will hope to continue to do that even when you, God willing, get your own building soon. I know you're planning for that and you're wanting to have a light in it, as far as I know, that is to be a light to the surrounding area. And I'm sure you will be, and and you may attract people because of that. And through the good music and the the faithful preaching and good preaching, and as I said earlier, apart from when visiting mission speakers come, and I'm not talking about Jesse, uh, but even when you do that building and want to attract people, there must always be the emphasis of sending out and I know Redeemer will continue to do this, because that's the emphasis, to go out the Great Commission. And the disciples were being trained to do that, but they needed to depend on Jesus. Let's we'll get forward to the, the familiar very miracle in verses 10 to 17, the, the feeding of the 5,000, because it's Related because look at how it begins in verse 10. On their return, the apostles told them all that they had done. So the apostles return and they report back to Jesus look at all we done. We preached, we did miracles, we did all these things, healings. And then we come to this section and there's a massive crowd following Jesus. But we see the crisis in verse 12. Do you see what it says? Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to them, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find a lodging and get provisions for we are here in a desolate place. So there's no food. They were in a remote place, literally a desert place. It's a big problem. Massive problem back then. 5,000 men we see in the verse later. Perhaps up to 10,000 or more people on total. It's late. There's no Chick-fil-A, no Taco Bell, even if you want to avoid it. Caroline loves it, but they don't have those these days. So there's a huge problem. So Jesus replies, verse 13, he says, You give them something to eat. And the disciples go, Yes, we can do that. Sure, I've just reported all these miracles that we've done, all these healings that we've done. We can do that. You empowered us to do it before. You sort this out again. No problem. Is that what they reply? No. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're to go and buy food for all these people. Basically, they go, we can't. This problem can't be solved. We have only five loaves and two fish. What can we do? You kind of think, surely after just what they've come home from doing, a whole bunch of miracles, empowered by Jesus, perhaps they would realize, you know, maybe Jesus could do something here but they didn't. They had forgotten. Now, I might be being a little bit harsh on them, perhaps, and I know I would have been no better, and they hadn't seen something maybe as large a scale of people as this, had maybe done individual healings. This was different, and yet at the, the reality is at this point, they still hadn't grasped who Jesus is. By the way, that's a question being asked in verses 7 to 9 earlier, and we'll be answered after this passage when Peter declares who he is. So they hadn't truly really grasped who he is. And, and so Jesus is training them like he did before when he sent them out, and he's going to even train them more through this miracle, because look at what he happens. Verse 14, for there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and he made them all sit down. After taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And he fed them all. See, the disciples had lessons to learn here, didn't they? This familiar miracle. But that they needed Jesus. Disciples needed Jesus in verse 1 to give them the power to preach and to do the miracles. And the disciples needed Jesus here to miraculously provide the bread the lessons we can learn and need to learn is this. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to serve. We need Jesus to serve on mission. I mean, there's a couple of aspects to that statement. We're called to serve, to do our bit, but Jesus delegates. Let's be honest, Jesus, Jesus could have solved this problem in a lot of Maybe easier way. He could have set up a boofy line himself and just went and lined them all up. He could have turned the, the stones that they were standing on into bread. There you go, eat it yourself. But what does he decide to do? He decides to use the disciples in this miracle. He's training them, and he wanted the disciples to serve. He gave them jobs to do. Yes, we need Jesus to serve, but Jesus still delegates in His work. And so we're still called. We're to do our bit. We're to do our bit in serving Him. And yet at the end of the day, He doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. In Acts 17, it says, The God who made the world is the Lord of heaven and earth. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anyone. He doesn't need me, He doesn't need you, He doesn't need the Nelsons to reach Montenegro, but He chooses to work through us. That just means we're called to do our bit. You know, uh, it's normally me, it used to be normally me who would make breakfast for our kids in the morning, because I'm a pastor and I'm free all day. And Connor and Chloe, my five-year-old and nine-year-old, often have, we call it porridge oatmeal. I, I presume it's made similar. Very simply, throw oats in, bit of milk, stir in a microwave, things like that. Well, Chloe, my five-year-old, will often would have come up to me and said, can I help you make it? And I'll go, yes. Do I need Chloe, her help? as useless as I am, I can manage oatmeal. No, I don't need Chloe, my five-year-old. Might I actually be quicker without her? Yes, (laughs) I would. And actually, when there's a panic for getting them out to school, it might be not today, but I'll let her help. Why? Makes her happy makes her happy to be involved. There's joy there. She really wants to. She even wants to push the microwave button. So when the oatmeal is served, she'll then say to Caroline, I made it. I made breakfast this morning. I made the oatmeal. And a big smile on her face. That's how serving the Lord should and can be. And disciples need to learn that. I'm sure that the disciples were delighted that, they could be a part of the miracle. Brought a smile to their face. Wow, look at, look at what happened. Isn't that amazing? And we got to be involved in it. It's the same now. We, we do our bit. Because it's a privilege to be involved. It really is. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But He chooses to work through us. And you know, when we get to see God at work and fruit and, and change happen, it, it's an absolute joy to be involved in that process. It, it really is. There's no greater joy when you hear of the wonderful truths of Jesus being passed on and that transforming lives. And even if you're maybe not in the front line, but if you're partnering with folks doing that, it's wonderful seeing answers to prayer. You know, if you're not playing your part or partnering together, you might be missing out on some of the joy that can put a smile on your face to be involved in what God is doing. So we do our bits. What does that look like for Jesse, Heather, and the family? Well, they're going to go to Montenegro to proclaim Jesus. It won't be easy. Why would they do that? Leaving family and Friends behind. It's hard. Wonder it why would you do such a thing? It's because they want to because they love Jesus. They want to go and make disciples They want others to know the the hope that can be found in Jesus that ultimately can lead to eternal life. It won't be easy. But life's gonna be short here when you think of eternity. It's just a moment. And this is the means that God uses to reach the world. He chooses to work through people, and amazingly, even people like us. And we'll be praying that's the case as they go to Montenegro. And there's many ways we we can all serve. Not all are sent out. We can support them by praying, by giving, in obvious ways, encouraging. But can I say, if you want to continue to support the Great Commission with the gospel going out to nations, serve faithfully in your local church. Because a healthy church is essential to fuel missions. Okay? We're all called to do that, to support the kingdom advancing. So if you're If you're new to Redeemer, get involved in this local church. So, we need Jesus to serve. Yes, we do our bit. But clearly, the the lessons we learn from here as well is we depend on Him. We need to depend on Jesus. It's so clear in both scenes, isn't it? They needed Jesus. When he sent them out and empowered them to do the miracles, he gave them the power. It's so clear that it was Jesus that did the miracle of providing the bread. The disciples really were nothing without Jesus, without his power. And the disciples kind of forgot that, that Jesus could do stuff. And we can forget that God can do wonderful things. And we still need him. In Acts, we see that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to the apostles to continue the work of Jesus, and we still need this Spirit of Christ today to do the work. And yet we're, we forget. We forget that we need Him. That it's Him who does the work. How do I know that? How do I know that I forget that? It's shown in my lack of prayer. Prayer shows your dependence on God that you Recognize when you're on your knees praying that it's God's work, that we need Him. And I don't personally pray enough, but that's why you need to plan to pray. You need to pray together. And it's really encouraging when you see answers to prayer. And by the way, whenever we have seen some encouragement at Ballycullen Church in Dublin, as none of it has been through our amazing strategies, which shows that It's God who has to do it, and He does it in different ways, and even we have tried, but I can only say it's through answers to prayer, because it's His work. And so we depend on Him. And by the way, that's also encouraging and keeps us going, causes us to not get disheartened. If people around us just don't seem interested in Jesus, because many don't, they don't see that Everything points to Jesus, and there's true hope and there's everlasting life around him. Some people just don't care, and we can get discouraged. But we can take comfort from the fact that ultimately Christ has to do the work. He opens the eyes. So when the Nelsons are in Montenegro, and we're praying for revival, for it to happen fast, for loads of people to come to. Christ, if it's slower than we would all want, we take comfort. We don't give up because it's Christ who does the work, who does the saving. And for you, even with your neighbors, family members, if they're not all coming to you, hey, can you tell me what the Bible's all about and how I can get eternal life? If they're not coming doing that, take comfort. We do our bit, but Christ has to do the work, and we cling and we depend on him. So we need Jesus to serve. Yes, we do our bit, but we have to depend on him. But you know, this miracle, the feeding of 5,000 points to something even more. That's why these two sections are linked, and with that little dialogue in the middle, a little discussion where they're figuring out, and Herod asks the question, who is this man? In verse 9 when he says, who is this? This, about whom I hear such things. Who is this guy? What else is going on here in this miracle? Well, there's lots of Old Testament allusions in this miracle. Let me highlight a few. In verse 12, it says the location is said to be in a remote place, or more literally a desert place, in the desert. Secondly, Jesus tells them to sit in groups of 50 in verse 14. Why? Now, I'm sure there might have been some practical reasons that would be good for distribution of food, perhaps. But Moses in the Old Testament gathered his people in groups of 50 at a time. What about the miracle itself? Well, it's providing bread, isn't it? And plenty of it? Does that ring a bell to the Old Testament of miracles? God provided bread manna from the Israelites from heaven. And how does Jesus provide this miracle? Well, he, he looks up to heaven. And in many ways, the, the bread miraculously comes down. And finally, what? There's 12 baskets lifted. No doubt to show the disciples, look at the abundance of food that's provided, but also there was the, the 12 tribes of Israel. You see, hundreds of years earlier, Written in the Old Testament, God had rescued his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt through Moses, and they were hungry in the desert, but he provided what they needed. As I said, Jesus might as well be putting on a fancy dress costume and just missing the staff and saying, hey, I'm the new Moses. I'm the new and greater Moses. And showing how the whole Old Testament, and again, is pointing to Jesus. He's a new Moses who comes to rescue his people and provide for him so they can be satisfied. That's what we really need to see behind this miracle. We need Jesus for satisfaction. Jesus, Because not, not only is there Old Testament echoes to Moses and the rescued there pointing to Jesus, but this miracle points forward to other prophecies of a great banquet in the future or to a, a time where there'll be no more hungering or, or thirsting when everyone will be satisfied. Can you see what verse 17 says, what the miracle showed? And they all ate and were satisfied. Filled. and what was left over was picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces. Satisfied. Earlier in Luke's gospel, in chapter 6, verse 21, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. The same word. This picture, this miracle is, is looking forward to a people completely satisfied. And there's more food at the end of this miracle than there is at the beginning. It's a, an overwhelming abundance, a feasting that could go on forever. It's ultimately looking forward to the Jesus, one who can provide and the way to heaven, the eternal banquets that's for God's people. So to the question that Herod asks in verse 9, who who is this guy? This miracle is displaying that Jesus, he's the Messiah, the, the new and greater Moses who's bringing in God's kingdom. He's arrived now the first time, but that will be fully realized the second time when he returns and completes everything, and all who belong to him will be completely satisfied in heaven in the new creation. That's who this guy is, Jesus, and what he's come to do. Because it's Jesus who can only truly satisfy. He gives us really what we need and a reason for living now, but he'll provide eternal life, ultimate satisfaction in the future for eternity. Guaranteed. But we need Jesus for satisfaction. You know, people around us have lots of stuff, don't they? Lots of things to enjoy. I'm sure they're happy and content in many ways, and we have more stuff than we've ever realized. We do in Ireland as well. Uh, We're a lot richer than we realized than we were even years ago. My dad grew up as a six- and seven-year-old on a diet of potatoes and salt. When he first got ice cream at about age eight, he said, this is cold potatoes. It was mashed up. I want some more cold potatoes. But we're so much richer than we realize, and yet if you scratch deeper the surface of where people are at, people are spiritually hungry. They're discontent. They're striving after everything, more money, success, relationships. There's discontentment all around, even though people have more stuff than ever. Why? They're not truly satisfied. They're not content. They need Jesus. The neighbors around here need Jesus. The people of Ireland need Jesus. The, The people of Montenegro need Jesus. For real meaning to life now and heaven an eternal banquet ultimate satisfaction in the end. If they don't have Jesus, they'll have starving souls in this life and they'll ultimately miss out on the eternal banquet in heaven forever. Hell will be where they'll end up without Jesus. Folks, if you're here, if you're not a Christian, if you're not trusting in Christ as your Savior and Lord and want to follow Him, do come and ask. Look at what's at stake. True life now, eternal life in the future. All of history has been pointing to Jesus. Make sure you know who he truly is. Please do. You can do that today. And how do we ultimately get this true satisfaction? How will we ultimately get it? The guarantee of heaven in the end. Was through Jesus and what He came to do, His death and His resurrection. Because take another look at verse 16. See if it rings a bell. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and He said a blessing over them. Then He broke the loaves and He gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Taking, blessing, giving thanks, breaking the bread, and then He gave it to them. Then to Luke's Gospel at the Last Supper, chapter 22, verse 19, it says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Taking Blessing, giving thanks, breaking, and He gave it to them. It's the same phrasing in order. That's not by accident. Luke, the gospel writer, is making this connection. The only way that Jesus, the Messiah, can bring true satisfaction and usher His people in the end into that heavenly banquet is how it's through His body being broken. It's through His blood being shed. This is pointing to the cross. Jesus on the cross taking the judgment in my place, my sin through trusting in Him, being placed on Him, and He suffering the wrath of God so I don't have to, so I can be forgiven, so I can have real meaning to life now and ultimate satisfaction in the end. I hope you know that for sure. And if you are a Christian, for us who are Christians, us wanting to be involved in mission for the Nelsons going out, you know, we can't take our eyes off these truths. Christ and His work on the cross, His body being broken, His His blood being shed so you and I can be truly forgiven, so you and I can be satisfied. He did that for you and I, and we don't deserve it. And when things are tough as a Christian, when you're looking around and maybe in the minority, when things are tough in Montenegro for the Nelsons, when when gospel growth is slow and slow in Ireland, when the culture is starting to shift away from anything Christian in the States, and you're becoming weirder, what do you and I need? We need to see Christ. We need to see Him in the cross. When we're alone, we need to remember He was there on the cross for me. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that for you and I. And holding on to those truths are, are really the only thing that will sustain you through the tough times. What He has done for us, that's what will still satisfy you, and sustain you. That's why we need to be reminded of the gospel. That's why we need the Lord's Supper, because we're prone to forget. But the reality is we need to be reminded of it daily. And actually, the secret of the gospel is we'll actually do more for God. When we hear less about all that we need to do for God and more about what God has already done for us in Christ. That's the reality. We'll do more for God when we hear less about all that we need to do for God and more about all that God has actually done for us, undeserving, through Jesus. So tell yourself daily, I mess up. I'm a sinner who deserves God's wrath. That's what I deserve but I'm forgiven just because of God's grace and what Jesus has done on the cross for me and just through trusting and resting and relying on Him, I can be forgiven and guaranteed heaven and end. Why? No reason. Just because of God's grace. He's done it all. He has paid for all my sin on the cross. It has nothing to do with me And I'm just blessed to actually be in a relationship with Him, know Him, and can enjoy that in full in the heavenly banquets, and all of us can, who belong to Him. And we'll be at that great feast forever together, and on that day, all our needs will be completely met, and we will be as full and as satisfied as we ever could be. I hope we're all there on that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for Jesus. May we grasp who he truly is, the hope, the satisfaction that Jesus brings. And may it just continue to fuel us to to let others know about Jesus. And so we pray for all of us and the Nelsons that you will help us continue to make Jesus known to your glory alone. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more sermons, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.